0: spent 172 hours drunk during lockdown how long has lockdown been going on four months
1: not quite four i don't think
2: well, let's, see. let's go back june 9th it, uh, what comes before june may may right, right. april i'd say it's more like three right okay march well some stuff shut down in march oh absolutely where i live shut down in march all right let's say four months then fine all right. we've decided fine how about you be quiet, Mr. You-don't-know-what-month-it-is?
0: <laughs> but still, you know, around 40 hours a month drunk. I want to kiss you. So that'd be 10 hours a week drunk. You spend 10 hours a week drunk? That seems like a lot to be drunk. I mean,
1: You I, are drunk at a tissue level.
0: I lived that way for... <laughs> what does that mean? I, I lived that way for 22 years and uh, yeah, and was perfectly so. happy. You if you go?
2: don't take another drink today, you're going to be drunk for six months.
0: I mean, so legally drunk, above a point oh eight. Yes.
2: If you're out for... I I will point out, that's too drunk to drive. It's not too drunk to be alive. It's not too
0: drunk to fish or golf or watch a movie. Yes. Or barbecue in your backyard. Or all
2: of the above. Or play softball.
0: Yes. Or Or play
2: pool way better than when you're sober until you get a little too (laughs) drunk. And you can't make anything.
0: Could you spend two, three hours that level of drunk playing golf? Of course you could. I hope and to this afternoon. <laughs> be perfectly happy and go home and, <laughs> and
2: nobody's harmed by that. Yes. Yes, Carrie Nation. You do that a couple of times you a week. You bunch your whiners. And you're at 170 hours of mm-hmm. being drunk. You're lucky I'm a happy drunk. There'd be trouble here. Huh? You are drunk at a tissue level. So, <laughs> but I don't even know what that means. I don't either. The human body's entirely tissue, you you quack. <laughs> I do not know this woman, Lily Loofborough. Do you know anything about her, Positive Sean? You're the guy who turned us on to this This, is the, this is the first I, had, uh, I knew of her. Okay,
0: so writes she writes for Slate yeah. out of Oakland, and I like the tag on her Twitter feed that says... Uh, no one you follow follows me or something like no. that.
2: <laughs> well, anybody who writes for Slate out of Oakland, I probably disagree with on virtually everything. Sure. Um,
0: almost the perfect person to know this stuff.
2: Yeah, and and also, I, I tend not to dislike people who I disagree with. I just don't care. It's interesting to me. But anyway, she tweets, I get the longing. I even share it. But the naivety is annoying. Online pundits should know and factor in that social media as a public square where a good faith debate happens is a thing of the past. Disagreement here happens through trolling, sea lioning, ratios, dunks. All right. Too much hipster turmoil.
0: I was late to trolling. I remember when Charlie Sheen first emerged on the scene as a crazy person. I was talking about trolls. Right. And we were joking about that. I'd never heard that term before. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Well, yeah. now we all know what trolls is. But what the hell is sea lioning? Positive Sean, can you help us out with
1: this as a young hipster? Uh, the bestest, like, this was the first time I had heard of that term, too. So I don't want you guys to feel like you were out on an island. Is it not like a this. Cleveland steamer? Nothing <laughs> like that at all. This is a, a rhetorical technique what of. the hell? Uh, the best description I saw was uh, someone who pretends to be clueless about an issue in order to waste your time, constantly putting the burden of, hey, can you essentially turning this person into Google, trying to uh, exhaust their right. their rhetorical resources, answering very baseline sea questions to you.
2: Lioning. I'd assumed it was if you steal somebody's fish by force, but no, <laughs> it turns out it's not. Laying on my back on a dock.
1: Ratios? I've Uh, heard
2: that said a couple of times.
1: What does that mean? So the theory goes, if you tweet something and you get more replies than you do retweets and and or favorites, it's people saying you suck, so you are getting ratioed. People are not sharing your information. They are responding to it. I didn't know that was a thing. I've never looked, and I'm not going to
0: and dunks i hate to skip to my conclusion on all this but uh, i'm still not going to change the way i handle social media out of this information you're about to hear
2: right and d- what's a
0: dunk? Uh, a
1: dunk is just a a forceful rhetorical punchline kind of thing right that, like the, a slogan that sort of thing or or um it, it's it's slang for when you just really crush someone in an art right like okay. the, the more flamboyant right like if you can do a 360 windmill dunk on someone rhetorically that's going to do better on the Internet than mm-hmm. someone who just makes a very calm layup.
0: Right. Oh, right. And I, I I, think of that in terms of like when we watch these stupid debates and somebody gets off a great line and the crowd roars. Yeah. But ultimately, they were wrong. I mean, like that happens sometimes. or it's meaningless <laughs> yes, or
2: meaningless. Right. You know, it's funny. I didn't uh, obviously didn't know a bunch of these terms, although I knew it instinctively and I never get into arguments online ever because you uh, never motorboat anybody. Is that one of them? <laughs> that's completely different. What I'm dealing with man. I'm dealing with fools and trolls. Yeah, that's the first time I heard trolls. <laughs> it's uh, motorboating's more like that other thing you said before, and I wish you hadn't. Um, so I didn't know what anything meant, but I instinctively knew this is a waste of my time. This is just people shouting at each other. But uh, Lily goes on to write bad faith. Oh, and, and she drops some s bombs. I'll say poop instead. Bad faith is the condition of the modern internet, and poop posting is the lingua franca of the online world. And not just online. A troll is president. Trolling won. Perhaps we can agree that these platforms aren't suited to the earnest exchange of big ideas. Of course, that's frustrating, especially to those who wish to debate things like abortion. But there's a history here. Platforms get flooded by devil's advocates who waste the time of people with real investments, cruelly for sport. That tends to weed out good faith engagement. Add to this it's that most—I are... know
0: a number of my favorite pundits in the world, writers, and that sort of thing—who have just bailed on Twitter and social media. Yeah. The world is not better for them deciding to just be out. But I can understand why they are. As for the reason she's just
2: explaining. Well, and I know a couple of folks who I like and admire who continue to engage. Fully in arguing online, like James oh. Lindsay, for instance. Yeah. And I'm afraid James is going to be driven insane. <laughs> and I, I, I wish he'd stop for his own health and well-being. But uh, add to this that most arguments worth having uh, have been had and witnessed a thousand times already on these platforms and several per- permutations. We know they're tired choreographies, the moves and the counter moves. At this point, we mostly enjoy the style of whichever dunk we happen to agree with. Um. Do, 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 do. Um. Yeah, g- go on, because I thought this other stuff was really good. Okay. Uh, does that lead to paranoid readings and meta-debates that seem totally bat-esque to onlookers who aren't internet-poisoned? Yup. All Lives Matter sounds perfectly reasonable as a text, unless you know the history of that discourse, and you'll sound pretty weird explaining it.
0: Yes, I th- loved that part, since we have a, uh, a colleague who lost their career over tweeting All Lives Matter because he didn't know the choreography and the dance. Uh, that exists in social media about that phrase. And as as she says right there,
2: you'd sound pretty weird explaining why all lives matter is an evil thing to say. (laughs) Well, and if you did, and the person who said that said, oh my gosh, I didn't know that, I didn't mean it like that. Well, then obviously anybody with a breathing soul would say, oh, okay, no problem. But no, this guy had his career sacrificed because, and you made the point off the air the other day, This stuff's exactly like blasphemy laws in fundamentalist uh, Islam, for instance, where if you say something that the imam says is blasphemy, you're done, man. There's no defense. You said the unspeakable, and so you must be sacrificed, even if. Even if you say, I tangled my words, or I didn't know that meant that, or I don't mean that." Well, no, you're done, man. You're stoned.
0: Take it out of Islam, put it in Christianity, because uh, you know a lot of the left hates Christianity and and thought, you know, uh, the idea of blasphemy is silly. I mean, you're just a uh, pre enlightenment crazy person to believe in that sort of thing. But well, now we have blasphemy laws for for other things, right. political.
2: Yep, exactly. And a uh, a quasi-religious order of progressive activists who will stone you. They will literally stone you in Portland and Seattle and places like that. They will do it metaphorically and and through ruining your career and the rest of the country. And if
0: you haven't caught up, if you're not staying up to speed on what the latest blasphemy laws are, that's on you, is what these people are saying, which is insane. That's what was so dangerous about the Cultural Revolution in China. The rules change day by day, and if you didn't keep up with them, you were doomed. Our, our our colleague who lost his job by saying all lives matter is not a person who follows politics and knew that that was a dangerous phrase. No. How are he's you, a basketball How are you required to stay up on all of these things? And that's what this person is getting to. I, I won't right. get, uh, skip to the, at the end because well, they're right. ending I. I really liked,
2: um, yeah, uh, and, and actually she goes more into, um, we know by now what all lives matter signals and that what it signals is orthogonal to what it says. I've never used that term in my life. Uh, your fluency in this garbage means you take shortcuts. You don't have to refute the text to leap to the subtext, which is the real issue to outsiders. That leap will look nuts. That's obviously what all the coded Nazi S is for and about. Uh, ah, blah, blah, blah. They're always the divorce surplus. Anyway, okay, so that's getting a little bit into the thick stuff. So all the way to the end of the thread?
0: Yeah, I like oh. what she said at the end because I disagree with her wholeheartedly.
2: Okay. Um, mm, bah, 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 and then bah, I'll jump bah. back and try to explain
0: in dumb person words, as a dumb person, I'm good at that, uh, what she was just saying.
2: Okay, it, it, the free speech stuff, is that what you're talking about? Um, free speech, they were told. Anyway, sure, good faith debate would be nice. Instead, the internet pressure cooked rhetoric. Again, people can watch the same argument. Be conducted a million times in slightly different ways, and that's interesting and a blessing and a curse. It produces a kind of argumentative hyperliteracy. If you can predict every step of a controversy, including the backlash, it makes perfect sense to meta argue instead over what X really means or implies or what down the road we know well confirms. This isn't great. People talk past each other, assume bad faith. But it's not the fault of liberalism that good faith is in short supply. And if that's where your analysis begins, I can't actually tell whether you're naive or trolling. And I'm no longer sure which is worse.
0: Yeah, so I don't agree with the idea that being naive to these long, complicated social media arguments is as bad as uh, as what's coming out of the crazy people. That if, if we all decide, no. Twitter sets the rules for how we talk about these things, and you have to be willing to skip ten steps, leap ahead to all lives matter is a crime, right. without understanding any of the, 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 the background or anything like that. We're all required to be up to speed on that. Exactly. We're, we're freaking doomed. Yeah, that's, a, that's beautifully put in simple guy talk. We need to go more the other direction away from her crowd where... She's living in a real world uh, in a weird world, and I know a lot of you are online are, too, because I, I, I follow some of your stuff and I'm like, lost. It's because you've been, you're engaged in lo- online conversations all the time. So you know the dance. And you know what this means, and that means, and that, and and you know where, as she points out, you know where the next step is. So you skip ten steps, right, and get right to the end. You're a racist. You're a communist. You're a whatever. You have blasphemed. Well, the rest of us aren't playing that freaking game, right? And we want the entire conversation with all
2: its subtleties and off ramps and nuances without right. skipping to the very end. And she, and, she, and who is the jury who decides your career must end? It's Twitter. She's it's social media.
0: She seems to think it's on the rest of us to get up to speed on all of these conversations.
2: Yeah, I, I. She says, I can't tell whether you're naive or trolling. I suppose you could describe people who are not hip to this orthodoxy as naive. I, I would use the term normal. I would use a, a, a longer term, unperverted by social media. People who still communicate like normal people communicate. And how scary is it? And she actually, and, and I would love to discuss this with her at some point. Oh, yeah, it's fascinating. How scary is it that this orthodoxy, this complex subculture of viciousness and trolling and sea lighting and the rest of it, then becomes the jury for normal people in their normal lives? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, no, a kidding. horrifying
1: prospect.
0: Right, so you're not engaged in this world, but if you take one of the shortcuts that they're aware
1: of, you get killed for it. Right. That is scary. Yeah. I, I just wanted to highlight one other portion of this thread. Uh, she uses the the phrase, a free speech defender, for example, will mean something different to an idealist than it will to someone who watched Reddit hordes vicious, viciously defend revenge porn on sites like uh, subreddit beating women, subreddit creep shots, subreddit Jewmerica, while people whose pictures got posted there begged for help. So the, their context of Right, they they are not coming from an ideological. They have seen that used to defend the worst things on these places that they spend too much time in, and it has perverted their their views on these things. Right, but if
0: we're all required to now play by their rules, we'll we'll be doomed. We got to bring them over to our side. No, you don't get to eliminate free speech as a phrase. I'm allowed to use in good faith.
2: I think there's a beautiful parallel here to the social justice warrior types who now call everything racism. Including just being light-skinned.
0: You know, I got a great example of this that happened to us, to me, in a, a public forum not long ago, but we're out of time. Well, so we'll, well let me finish the okay. thought.
2: Um, so, if everything is racism, nothing is racism. People will reflexively reject the idea of being called racist or an action being racist. And if you call everything hate speech, then websites that have pictures of women being beaten and raped and, and revenge porn and the rest of it people will go deaf to you saying no this is actually hateful speech so it's that same the same error that the activists
0: always make any thoughts on any of this Our text line 415295 KFTC
2: Armstrong and Getty Show. It would
0: take too long to catch you up on what we've been talking about. Go to the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com to hear that. I thought it was really interesting. It's pretty thick and complicated. You know, I'm not trying to be condescending. I just hope we portrayed it in a way that makes sense. But how uh, the Internet has its own language. A lot of social media has its own language. And, and people have been having these arguments for so long, they skip uh, a, a lot of the details, and you can get lost if you are not into it. And, in for instance, as Sean pointed out, for a lot of people who are who spend too much time in social media, free speech is code for uh, "I want to Jew bash" or uh, "believe in child porn," mm-hmm. and it's just code for that. And so, uh, in the in the way that all lives matter. People decided, no, that's code for you don't believe Black Lives Matter. Well, do you get to decide that for me? Well, apparently you do. How
2: about you ask me whether I think that, and I say no, and then you say okay.
0: But an example of that, we were in a, a public forum um, uh, arguing with a guy who is, uh, he's one of these nasty internet type of people, yeah. and he engages in the most vile of this, and he's on online all the time. And so we were talking about immigration, and I said, well, America, majority of America believes in merit-based Im- immigration. And he said, oh, that's dog whistle, and you know it. And I thought, I mean, I was really taken aback, like, dog whistle? How's, merit, how's merit-based How's merit immigration dog whistle? I had no idea that for the online crowd, that's code for racism. Right, certainly so, a certain point of view online, yeah. Well, enough of them, I mm-hmm. guess. And so you jump 10 steps past where you are right. and get to a different conclusion. And that's why you can get so lost and get in such vile fights online when you don't even understand what's going on.
2: Right. And again, even if you don't live online and nothing you did has anything to do with online, they will be your judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, my that argument community.
0: would be that we're right and they're wrong and they need to come back to our side as opposed to us get up to speed with their oh, lingo.
2: I agree completely. Well, and it's it's more than lingo, it's a an amoral universe where nothing counts so much as blood. To quote Gene Hackman. And no vicious. And no phrase means what you think it means. Lonnie Chen next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: That if I had to bet my own money, and it would be a weird situation if I did, but if I had to bet my own money on who's going to win the presidency today, I'd put my money on Biden. Uh, four months ago, I'd have put my money on Trump, but a new poll came out yesterday, Harris poll. Gap closed in one month. Uh, Biden was up ten points nationally. Now up four points nationally. Trump closed six points on that. Uh-oh. And, uh oh. And I think that's interesting. And sometimes that's you know uh, a snapshot of momentum. Who knows where we are by now? But anyway, maybe this is the headline. 18% didn't indicate either one of the candidates, with 8% saying they're undecided. Well, if you got a four-point gap and 8% undecided, it sounds wide open to me.
2: Lon hee J. Chen is the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. And uh, Lon Hee will join us in just a moment or two. Apparently the line just uh, went.
0: One question I would have, and uh, he, he's the kind of guy that would know this, do undecideds eventually tend to break just exactly the way the other the the way the polls show when they finally make up their mind, roughly the same way? Mm. Or do do undecideds tend to be liberal or conservative? Do, are they just slower to make up their minds? I don't actually know the answer to that. Mm.
2: I wonder. Uh, Lon He Chen joins us now. Hey, Lon He, how are you? Hey, guys.
3: Sorry about that. Oh,
2: no, don't worry about it. Did you hear our setup about the poll?
3: Yeah. So, you know, look, a couple of things about these polls, you know, we've talked about this before. I think they're going to bounce all over the place over these next several weeks and months. The number I keep an eye on is is really Trump's approval rating. In other words, you know, we, we do tend to go immediately to the to what we call the trial heat, which is Biden versus Trump. And look at those numbers and figure out, you know, where is Trump versus Biden directly But the more impactful number, I think, that tells us where the race is going is really what the approval rating for Trump is. And the one thing I'll just observe about this, because the numbers will bounce on that as well, is that Trump's approval rating through much of 2019 and the first few months of 2020 was pretty solidly in that mid 40 percent range. So, you know, let's call it 43 to 45, 46 percent. What has happened in the last couple of weeks and months in particular is that number has dipped to the low 40s and, in some cases, the high 30s. The reason why that matters is because if Trump stays in that low 40s range, it is going to be exceedingly difficult for him to get reelected. That is like Jimmy Carter, George H.W. Bush territory. If his numbers stay in the mid-40s and or higher, I think he's got a legit shot at getting reelected. So that's the number I'd really pay attention to, guys.
2: Well, the only uh, saving his bacon, if that number, say, were hovering around 40%, would be if the Democrats ran an incredibly weak candidate. Like a really old guy. (laughs) Yeah, a really old guy who doesn't have any
3: ideas. Well, there's also that. Well, I mean, this is the other thing, is that even though we all feel like we know Joe Biden because he's been around forever, uh, and and you know we probably follow this uh, a little bit more than 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 the average, let's say the average American. Does.
0: And good for them. Uh, yeah, no kidding. I'm jealous yeah, of them. Well, but
3: but it, it, and it's certainly true that Joe Biden's pretty undefined still. I know that's kind of a funny thing to say, but I, I don't think the American people. I don't think most people have a great sense of how they feel about Joe Biden. I think they sort of know who he is. But that's what Donald Trump's opportunity is right now, which is to define Joe Biden over these next several weeks and months, because we still have a long way to go. There's a lot of definition left to happen. And, you know, I think that that really is the opportunity for Trump It is to define him and to put him into a box that will make him, uh, you know, potentially as unfavorable as Hillary Clinton was in 2016.
2: Well, hey, but- Now now seems like a perfect time, Sean, to play clip number one. It's just 30 seconds long. This is a new Trump campaign ad Uh, about Biden and defunding the cops.
1: You have reached the
0: 911 police emergency line. Due to defunding of the police department, we're sorry, but no one is here to take your call. If you're calling to report a rape, please press 1. To report a murder, press 2. To report a home invasion, press 3. For all other crimes, leave your name and number, and someone will get back to you. Our estimated wait time is currently five days. Goodbye. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. Oh boy, that's Lon- fair, Lonnie.
3: <laughs> let me let, let me tell you why that ad is brilliant. It's good. That ad is you no know, that, that ad is very good because it speaks directly to a constituency that Trump desperately needs to gain support with, and that is suburban women. Mm. Suburban women left him in they they left the Republican Party in 2018. That's why the Democrats were able to, to to have those massive victories in the House. And that is a constituency that I, I think he still needs to win a security moms. And, and And that issue goes straight at them. And you know what? If if Biden does not come out even more clearly and forcefully against this ridiculous defund movement, He's gonna have a major problem on his hands in the suburbs. That's why so I can't, that, that ad is quite good.
0: That's why I think people are crazy who think he's gonna pick Kamala Harris, because she's been on the record saying she's for to fund the police. But anyway, uh, back to the approval rate, rating slightly, which fits into all this, what we were just saying. Isn't Trump unique in that there are people who say, No, I don't approve of him, but I'm gonna vote for him? <laughs> (laughs) In in a way that other candidates haven't been through the years, because I know lots of people that are going to vote for Trump who are so annoyed on a daily basis by things he does and
2: says.
3: Yeah, I I mean, you're right that if there's any candidate to test that proposition, it is it is Donald Trump. I I guess what I would say is this goes to the acceptability of Joe Biden. Right. It, It is the case that if they don't approve of him, but they also don't approve of Joe Biden, that they could very well vote for him. And that's what happened in 16. People disapproved of Donald Trump. But guess what? They disapproved of Hillary Clinton as well. So they went and voted for Donald Trump. The problem Trump's going to have is this. If they disapprove of Trump, but they approve of Biden, or at least are fine tolerating him, he's not getting those voters. And so I I do think Mm -hmm. the dynamic in 20 is going to be a little different.
2: Interesting. Lon He Chen of the Hoover Institution, and Stanford is on the line. Uh, What do you say to people, Lon He, who in general reject polls? They'll say they're biased, or they don't poll enough Republicans, or or what have you.
3: Well, I, I think they're right to to ask questions about the polling, which is why you never rely on any single poll. What I like to really do is, you know, I I, I go to a website called Real, Real Clear Politics, and that gives me a bunch of different polls, and I look at the trend. You know, I really look to see, okay, what's happening in general. So, for example, I, I don't think Biden's up ten points or nine points. I I, I think he's up by a relatively substantial margin given the trend, but I don't think it's a specific number. I think it's somewhere in a range. And so it's helpful for people to look at polls as a snapshot in time, but not as gospel. So it's important to think about polls in, in the context of a lot of different polls together and taking it as just one piece of information. That's kind of how I would think about polls. But, you yeah, know, people are right. Any single poll could have massive problems. It could undersample certain people. It could oversample others. Uh, it, it could have just caught someone on a bad day. Or, you know what, guys? People lie all the time when they get asked about polls. Right, right? and it's I tell you, why,
0: why do they do that? I hear that, too. I'd be scared to tell a pollster I'm yeah. voting for Trump. Why are you scared of telling a pollster anything? But that, that's a fact?
3: Oh Yeah, I mean, there's something actually in the political science literature called the Bradley effect. You guys remember, maybe remember a guy named Tom Bradley, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the former mayor of Los Angeles. And, and there was actually a thing back when, when he was running, I forget for what office he was running for, but it was higher office than mayor of L.A., uh, where people were asked about who they would support. And, and people would actually say they were supporting Bradley because they didn't want to be perceived as racist. So this notion that people will give a false response to a to a pollster is actually pretty well documented. I just yeah, can't it's imagine so, so pressure.
0: I just can't imagine lying to a pollster, but I'm a different
2: person Ooh, yeah, yeah, you're a little more stubborn than the average human being uh, <laughs> but I, and and you know one more factor on the polls Lonnie, and I haven't been trained in this, but I think I could do it pretty well intuitively if you want if you asked me to design questions to get a specific result, I could do it. I mean, and it wouldn't yeah. even be blatant. Yeah. There's, there's subtle shadings of wordings you can do to move the numbers without even trying hard.
3: Yeah, 100%. And, and, and you have something called push polling, right, which is where you give people a bunch of crazy facts, some of which may or may not be true. And then you ask them, hey, do you like this guy or not? So you have those kind of polls as well.
0: So, you, as like you know, you're a guy who's been paid to figure this sort of stuff out in actual presidential campaigns. So I'm going to listen to you. You say keep your eye on the approval rating. So if his approval rating goes up, you know it uh, here in the next week or so to match the change in the polls, then it might mean something.
3: Yeah, I mean, I you know I think it's got to go up meaningfully. So you know, if if he goes from 40 to 42, that doesn't mean a lot to me if he goes from 40 to 45 then i look at it right and 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 i'll say this i think if he ends up with an approval rating by the time we get to election day if that approval rating is back into the mid 40s it is going to be a very competitive race and trump has a very good chance of winning can
0: that. there be a long can there be a lasting major effect from a debate does that ever happen
3: uh, lasting, not so much. temporary, absolutely. yeah, well, temporary, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. temporary doesn't matter yeah, temporary doesn't matter. I just is a perfect example yeah right. Romney had a great first debate, got a huge bounce out of it, but still lost the election.
0: yeah, so I just I don't remember any lasting major switches because of a debate, but if Biden comes out, you know, as you said, people still don't know really know who he is. a lot of people don't remember that he's aged since he was vice president. If he comes out and is obviously old and doddering, which he wasn't yesterday, by the way, but if he came out and did that right. on a debate stage, I wonder if the numbers would move significantly. I have no idea.
2: It, it could be. I don't know about you, Lon. I'm I'm looking forward to the debates. Like uh, I, The same feeling that I had uh, uh, sitting down for my kids' piano recitals. <laughs> I was just saying, oh, please don't yeah. be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Please. Yeah. Well, I can't wait. We can't wait to have you on after the debate. Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) that'll be fun. Yeah. Lon Hee, J. Chen of the Hoover Institution, the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies, that fine place. Lon Hee, thanks a million. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk soon.
3: Yeah.
0: Because of Trump's upset win, for the rest of my life, people will be claiming the polls are wrong. Remember Trump, even though the polls usually are right. Um but you do have this. He mentioned real, clear politics average. That is the best way to go about it. You mm-hmm. average a bunch of polls. But here's the last one. Somebody tweeted this out yesterday. The last Wisconsin poll had Clinton up the average of all the latest polls. And Wisconsin had Clinton up 6.5 points. She Oof. lost by .7. It was very close. Mm-hmm. But Trump eked it out. But still, that's a almost, well, that's a seven-point turnaround right. from the average of all the polls.
2: Yeah, well, and I'm guessing the margin of error was probably around 3.5%. So you had a 3.5% wait, what just happened, um, which is a pretty significant percentage in a battleground well, state. Well,
0: and some of those polls were, you know, a couple of weeks before the election, before Comey came out and said... We found Anthony Weiner's laptop. The investigation's back on. <laughs> that was when he was here, a hero of the right. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, and a villain of the left. Right. Like he's just he might as well just get a paycheck from Trump.
2: Right? <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, no kidding. When is the definitive book on that I almost called him a clown. That's the wrong term. That massive nut. So so when m- is that book going to be written? So many questions. Yeah, no kidding. Um
0: anyway, Uh, More of something else. We promise completely different, completely different uh, topic matter when we come back, right? Yeah, right. Complete complete change. I'm on
2: board. Okay. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong
1: and Getty Show. I don't care if Monday's blue, Tuesday's gray and Wednesday too, Thursday. I don't care about you, it's Friday, I'm in love.
3: One of the precincts, they pushed uh, dumpsters up against the doors and, and set them on fire when they knew people were inside. That's a crime, that's a, a felony, that's arson in the first degree. They did it to our Justice Center. They set fire to the Justice Center with hundreds of inmates and dozens of correctional officers inside. Uh, that's oh my a, that's a, a Class A felony. Right. Um, and all that time, our, our city leaders have sat back and not uh, not only have they not condemned it, and although the mayor has somewhat, in, in spotty instances, condemned that violence, they have not done anything about it.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, and Nancy Pelosi, in effect, uh, said she was fine with tearing down statues and vandalism yesterday she said well people are going to do what they do
0: portland is out of control antifa related we've been reporting on that all week
2: long a lot of uh, responses via social media to that segment with the uh the police officer from portland pd nick says and as an oregonian i'm just bummed what happens in portland does not speak for the rest of the state though except maybe eugene Not much uh, peace-loving hippies there anymore, but a lot of people are getting angry here. Not to mention our governor is a tyrant, and there's a recall for her going on right now. I'm sick of these people destroying our beautiful state. Ann says, I visited Portland three years ago, decided to never go back. Downtown was filthy, unsafe, scary people roaming the street, etc. Patty went to high school in Portland, Portland, then moved away. It was a beautiful, progressive city with a wonderful mass transit system, etc. Um... And then uh, you can guess the rest. It, it turned ugly and awful. Uh, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Well, woke hipsters were ripe for the picking. Antifa was born. And revolution was declared. Good luck, Portland. I hope the wo- the voters wake up before it's too late. Uh, a lot of people saying similar stuff.
0: Uh, so Andy No, which if you're interested in this story at all, follow his Twitter feed. That's ngo. It's really interesting. I mean, he's right in the heart of it all the time. Anyway, he he uh, tweeted uh, this today. This type of Portland Antifa propaganda is pumped day in, day out when law enforcement ever makes arrests. It doesn't matter who their comrades hurt or what they destroy. Police bad, their side good. It's a cult-like religious thinking. And he shares a tweet, and he said there's lots of these, from someone named Sage, who tweeted out, U.S. Marshals just stormed Chapman Square and kidnapped a 17-year-old black child. We were all eating pizza and relaxing. First of all, 17-year-old child. Um, But uh, we're all just, so they're just hanging out and police stormed and kidnapped a child. And this person on their Twitter feed has uh, trauma therapist, anti-fascist, Black Lives Matter, abolitionist, anarchist. So it's part of the whole Antifa movement. So if anybody's arrested, it's, you know the brown shirts coming in and abducting
2: people. Sure, yeah, kidnapping them. So uh, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Number one, if you miss a segment of the show or... You you have to tune out, or you don't, for instance, get the fourth hour of the show uh, on your local radio station. You can always get the Armstrong and Getty on demand podcast. You guys have a podcast?
1: I listen to podcasts
2: at (laughs) Armstrongandgetty.com. Again, that's the on demand, that's the actual show. We also have uh, our uh, One More Thing podcast, which is different and and what have you. But, and you know, if perhaps we're in the middle of one of our fascinating discussions and one of your annoying, stupid coworkers actually tries to talk to you about work or your child when you're you're trying to listen right you're annoying stupid child (laughs) um just just go to armstrongandgetty.com and and grab the on-demand podcast i mean for instance i'm trying to decide whether i have it in me to talk about this next hour or or maybe we'll just do it monday you know you remember that wonderful letter signed by 153 prominent journalists authors writers um uh, writing against cancel culture um, well, more than 150 journalists and academics have signed a blistering response in defense of cancel culture. Oh and it is absolutely dripping with social justice warrior garbage woke claptrap and it makes me want to vomit red hot blood oh, <laughs> it's so terrible you having a good time joe but my, oh, my my physician God. has advised me not to get too riled up
1: vomit the rhb
2: wow. i just i don't know if i can take more of this today after oh speaking of the podcast oh, if you funny. didn't hear the segment where we're describing the what's wrong with white people training that the city of Seattle is forcing white people to take. It is, it is absolutely dead, clear racism being perpetrated by the city of Seattle. If you missed that one, go back uh, again, com, the on-demand podcast. That was a threat. I just, I don't, I don't want my head to explode. I mean, number one, imagine the cleanup
0: mission. Michigan Governor Whitmer orders that face coverings be worn in all indoor public spaces and orders businesses to refuse service or entry to anyone not wearing a mask. Yeah, I saw a Twitter thread yesterday on the whole. It's your right not to wear a mask. It's also the right of any business to say you can't come in if you don't wear a mask. Right. So you got to balance
2: rights there. Right. No shoes, no shirt, no service, no mask. They can add that. I've long been a free will guy for business. Um, you know, if you act like an ass, they can kick you out. I have no problem with that, no matter what you look like, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I add masks on. That's fine.
1: Oh, gosh. what do we? I want to start wearing
0: the thing around my neck where you just have it on all the
1: time. And then you lift it up. And you just lift it up. Yeah. That
0: seems what the cool people are doing. I
1: want to wear it over my eyes and <laughs> then just, like, walk around. That thing seems too close to, like, ascot level stuff for me like i, I don't know it's, a, it's like a hunter thing i can't remember what's that called a uh something or other
2: It looks cool this is better than my silly mask <laughs> armstrong and getty